time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Hey, I want to, I want to, um, just one more time, just welcome you guys again. We're so, so glad, so honored that you're here joining us. Feel like this weekend is going to be such a strategic time in your, in your walk with Jesus Christ and, um, no, lots of us have lots of different things going on back home, even over the weekend. But I believe that um, the Lord saw whatever sacrifice you made to be here, to get here this weekend. And I believe that he's going to honor you for that. Come on, somebody. Somebody believe that tonight. He's going to honor you for that. So, uh, so tonight I want to go right into, the, right into the word of God. I want us to look at a very pivotal place in scripture, a very pivotal place in scripture where there was a major shift in leadership from one great, uh, one great man of God to another one. And, and I want to look at what happened in the leadership shift in the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. See, perhaps one of the leading prophets, one of the leading prophets in the Old Testament, um, some of us can name like a whole bunch, like on the count of three, name out like the first prophet that comes to mind in, in your mind from, from, okay, one, two, three. Yeah, see, I heard his name, someone over here. Somebody say Elijah. Elijah. And y'all, like reading, reading the life of Elijah is kind of like reading, um, I don't know, something like Lord of the Rings or like, or, or like, you know, like Hunger Games. Who reads on Hunger Games? Or, hey, what's the, anybody, it was the Maze Runner, like was that a book or was it just a movie? I don't know. I just watched the movie. It's a book. How many of you read the book before you saw the movie? How many of you only saw the movie? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, that's my, I like to watch the movie. Anyways, so, so look, you guys, so like reading, reading the life of Elijah is a little bit like reading some of the like action, just novels that are written today. There's so much adventure in it. There's so many great things that take place from the, from the miraculous to the strange to there being metaphors and, and, and first and second Kings does a beautiful job of just kind of outlining the life of Elijah. And, and so reading it is kind of like watching a superhero movie. I mean, Elijah for me would fall somewhere between like, I don't know, like Iron Man, any Iron Man fans or like, or like somewhere between Iron Man and maybe like Thor. I don't know. Any Thor? (laughs) Janae, I didn't get you on that one. You love, no, Michaela. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, so somewhere between, somewhere between, I don't know, Iron Man, Batman, Spider Man, and then there would be like, then there would be like, and then there would be like, Captain America. Come on, America, hashtag America. And so, so, so reading, so reading the life of Elijah, it's kind of like these incredible and dynamic things that take place throughout his life. Now, now before I go into the text, I want to kind of reach into the sports arena as an analogy tonight. How many of you play sports or have played sports at any point in your life? Yeah, it's the vast majority of us. Okay, great. So has anybody ever been on the losing team? Come on. <laughs> There's so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so how many of you, how many of you have played maybe basketball before? Like you're on a basketball Okay, how many of you at one point or other have been on a struggling basketball team? Come on, somebody. 
Okay, so you know that moment, like whenever, you know, the team is down and, you know, maybe there's just a few minutes left and everything in you is kind of like, we're going to lose this game. Like, we're, there's just no way. I mean, it would take a miracle from heaven, right? And so, but how many of you ever had a coach to tell you, hey, you play to, you play to win, but you don't give up. You don't stop playing. You play to the whistle until the whistle blows, like, like the game is over, like until the very end. How many of you ever been told that before? Like, keep going. It may look like everything's good, but we keep playing because we play to win and we play to the whistle. We play until the very last moment as though we are oblivious to the fact that we're going to, that we're going to lose. Second Kings chapter two. So we want to look at tonight. Second Kings chapter two. Bow your heads with me real quick. Father, thank you for your word tonight. I thank you that there is life, there's transformational power in the preached word of God. It has the power to set souls on fire for you. It has the power to redirect purpose and destination. God, I ask that tonight, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, that our minds would be alert, that our ears would be open to what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. All right. So 2 Kings chapter 2. So we are at a place where the mighty Elijah is just about coming to the end of his earthly journey here on planet Earth, and, and, and we find that he has this young protege. He has another guy who's been, he's, he's been mentoring, he's been raging, raising up by the name of Elisha. Not to be confused with Eli. Thank you very much. So, so a little bit back in the previous book of Kings, in 1 Kings, we see how Elisha came to get connected with the prophet Elijah. So, so he has been following him around for some two and a half years or so, just following the guy around and all the while knowing that he's going to be the next big deal in Israel. Okay. So he knows I've got things to learn. I, I've got, I've got to humble myself because I know that God has such a calling on my life. I know that God has great things for me to do. So he's been following Elijah around. So, so tonight, tonight we're going to hone in on four key significant locations through which Elijah and his young protege, Elisha, travel. And I think that every single one of us in this room, under the sound of my voice, students and leaders are like, are at one of these four locations in our journey with Jesus. This whole thing will make a little bit more sense now as we, as we get into the text. So 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2, I'm starting at verse one, 2 Kings chapter 2, starting at verse 1. It says, now when the Lord was about to take Elijah, everybody say Elijah, up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. Everybody say Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. Everybody say Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. Verse three says the group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, hey, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. 
Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here in Bethel, in Bethel, for the Lord has told me to go on to Jericho. Everybody say Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Verse six, then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. Everybody say Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives, And you yourself live. I will never leave you. So they went on together. Now, what's interesting about this text is so powerful because one, one, there's an old kind of King James type of word. It's called Terry, T-A-R-R-Y. And and it's seen all throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament where it kind of this idea of just kind of waiting. Like we're just kind of kind of waiting, waiting, waiting on the world to change. Come on. And so it's this idea where we're just kind of we're just we're just waiting, waiting, waiting. And, and so the old word waiting, it just simply meant to, to wait, but it also kind of had this idea to just kind of, just kind of coast or just kind of cruise or just kind of just lack of days could just kind of stand around, just wait. Like, I don't really know what I'm waiting for. I'm just gonna, I'm just kind of here. I'm here. That's what it meant to wait, to tarry. And what's crazy is that Elijah repeatedly said to his young protege, Elisha, Hey, just kind of wait here, hang out, coast, you know, just kind of tarry here. Now, did Elijah really want Elisha to just kind of wait there? Just kind of, kind of stay where he was as he was going from place to place? Of course not. We'll come back to this point later, but I need you guys to always remember this point. That God never uses the man or woman he can easily get rid of. If you want to be used of God, if you want to be used of God, remember this. God never uses the man or woman he can easily get rid of. What do we mean by that? You see what I'm saying? You're going to face, and some of you are right in the middle of storms, of trials, of hardships, maybe bad news in your family or academic tragedies or bullying at school or you fill in the blank. God will never use the man or woman he can easily get rid of. He will allow circumstances, scenarios that maybe you don't feel like are in your best interest, but he knows are in your best interest in your life. Why? That is, a, that is to prove to you. That is a confirmation to you. Hey, God has a calling on my life. God has somewhere for me to be. And you know what? There, is a, there are always going to be moments in our lives where the enemy is going to kind of lure us into this place. You see what I'm saying? Where it just says, hey, just kind of just kind of stay, just kind of hang out. Just, you don't have to keep pursuing after the Lord. You don't have to keep running after the Lord. Kind of like Gina was singing about early tonight. Run to me, child. Come to me with all your problems, all your mess ups, all your hurts, all your failures. Come to me. And there's going to be multiple times in your life, in your Christ honoring journey, where you have an opportunity. Just kind of sit it out and say, I'm not going to run for Jesus heart. Not in this season. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what kind of news that I just got. You don't know what's going on in my home. 
You don't know what my school life is like. You don't know what my family life is like. God will never use the man or woman he can easily get rid of. See, what's interesting, verse 1, the first place that they started off in was this place called Gilgal. Everybody say Gilgal. Gilgal means my sin has been removed or my sin has been rolled away. Joshua 5 and 9 says, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. I want to submit to you that Gilgal, this is place number one. Gilgal is, the, is kind of like, Gilgal is a place in, in which you experience biblical salvation. What do I mean by that? Being born again. I'm talking about more than praying a prayer. I'm talking about, we start off in our Christian journey and, and really it starts at, at Gilgal where we, where we say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Not because it's hip, cool, trendy, trending on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Uh, Jesus, I want to follow you because I have discovered that I am in desperate need of a savior that left to my own. I will self-destruct that left in my own power and my own strength. My life will be pointless, meaningless, and it will take me to a, uh, to the road on the road of destruction. Gilgal is where we say, here I am, Jesus I have been a fake and a fraud for far too long and I am ready to surrender my heart to you to allow you not to just be a nice song that I sing about and wave a banner in the air talking about Jesus is my banner. I actually want your name to wave like a banner over every decision that I make, over the lifestyle choices that I make, over the way that I treat my parents, my brothers and sisters, my classmates and my teachers. Jesus, here are the reigns to my life. Here you go. I relinquish control. I get off of the throne of my own heart and I allow you to come and sit in that place. That's Gilgal. Everybody say Gilgal. Gilgal, the place where your sins have been rolled away, rolled away. See again, Gilgal, stay here. Verse two, first part of verse two says, then Elijah in Gilgal, Tells Elisha, hey, just, just kind of stay here, Elisha. I'm going to go on. But, but why don't you, why don't you, why don't you just stay here, Elisha? Because I, I'm going, I'm going on. But see, it's a part of our human nature sometimes to just want to tarry. Just kind of hang out. Just kind of be satisfied even with where we are in our Christian walk and in our experience of Jesus. Well, I'm no longer going to burn in hell for all eternity. Jesus is my little fire insurance and, you know, he's my ticket to heaven. So everything's going to be okay. Everything's a-okay. It's our human nature to grow complacent in our walk with Jesus. See, it's natural for the voices in our head to begin saying specifically in your relationship with Christ that you can that you can pursue having a deeper faith experience later, like, you know, maybe a few years from now or something. So just just take a break. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a big deal if you, you know, if you, it's not a big deal that you kind of show up at church or show up at DSM. It's totally fine. I mean, miss six months. No big deal. You can catch it next year. You know, or it's, it's kind of, it's, it's like the natural thing. You see what I'm saying? And so, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, oh, like being a part of cadres in a small group. Oh, that's for like the spiritual week. You know, I'm really mature. I'm mature in my faith. And, you know, I don't really need anybody to kind of 
like disciple me and like speak into my life. You're like, I'm so over that. So we laugh, but sometimes our actions speak way louder than our words. It's natural for, 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 for those voices. To but see, one of hell's biggest lies is that you can stand still in your pursuit of Christ and it won't cost you something. One of hell's biggest lies is that you can just kind of coast, you can just kind of tear, you can just kind of sit down, you can go on the sidelines and, and it won't cost you something in a, in a couple months or in a couple years. See, because if you do it long enough, you'll grow comfortable in not pursuing Jesus. And that's the most dangerous place to be in. Whether you're adults, or 20s, or 30s, or teens, as you, even as you grow. See, as we grow in life, make no mistake about it. Your pursuit of Christ is not directly proportional with your age. Okay? So, so where the enemy would say, you know, you, uh, just, it'll come natural, you know, once you turn 18. Or it'll come natural once you come, turn 25, like to be a lover of the presence of God and, and want to worship. It'll come. No, no, no. Let me just tell you, it, it never comes naturally. It is a decision of your own will and of your own heart. Does this make sense to anybody? So, so, but, but we've got to reject those, those voices. Proverbs, listen to this, Proverbs 132 in the message says, don't you see what happens, you simpletons, you idiots? It's not my words, Eugene Peterson. <laughs> Carelessness kills. Complacency is murder. Whoa. Yeah. Hashtag. Boom. Carelessness kills. Complacency is murder. Don't you see what happens? You simpletons, you idiots, you fools. We can never. One of the, one of the cool, I, I don't know why I'm talking about Lord of the Rings tonight, but there's one of the three or four. There's so many. I don't know which one. Maybe, well, the, okay. You who dress up to go to the movies, maybe you can tell me. Uh, there's, there's, one, there's one time whenever they're, you know what I'm, you already know where I'm going? Right. How do you know? Oh, there's three of okay. it. But what about like the, the throwback, the prequel thing and the Hobbit and all of that? Okay, great. Okay, perfect. But here we go. But in one of them, this is what happens. Rubiana's very passionate about it. Okay, so, so here's what happens. There's one place where they're like, uh, I think it may be Smog or a dragon or somebody's like chasing them. And I think it's Gandalf turns around and he's like, run, you fools. Does anybody remember that? Anybody? Hobbit? It's a, huh? No? <laughs> We're so off time. What is happening? What is this? That's the first one on the rings? On the Lord of the Rings? Who? Bal- Baldorf? Barwalk? Who? Beowulf? That's another one. I read Beowulf, Beowulf in high school. How many of you read Beowulf in high school? I did. Come on. Yeah, come on. Okay, so I think it was on the first one where he's like, run, you fools. Remember? Okay, great. That has nothing to do with anything except for... Okay, great. It's, wasn't it great? You remember. Fly, you fools? Really? Where were they flying? How could they fly? Nobody was flying. I don't understand. Does anybody understand what's going on? I don't. We, I've lost control. I don't know. Okay, let's move on. Let's go back to the text. I'll tell you what I do know. Is that your own complacency will kill you, you fools. So, uh, <laughs> so look, I want to kind of reach into, many of us have seen this. Many of us have seen this movie before. It's a classic um, true story 
back in, and Samuel's call, we, we kind of watched this at our retreat uh, a couple weeks ago, so don't say anything, but, but true story, back in 1970, uh, college football team, 75 players dead in one plane crash. I, it was the ultimate moment where, where this whole university should have said, at this moment, if there was any, ever a time to give up and just kind of say, let's throw in the towel, we're done, we're finished. It was the ultimate temptation to just give up and stay right where they were. So I want you guys to take a look at this at the uh, clip from this movie. Uh, we are Marshall. In the middle of Huntington, West Virginia, there's a river. Next to this river, there is a steel mill. And next to the steel mill, there's a school. In the middle of the school, there's a fountain. Each year, on the exact same day, at the exact same hour, the water to this fountain is turned off. And in this moment, once every year, throughout the town, Throughout the school, time stands still. Thinking about that girlfriend of yours, Griffin? Yeah, hey, that was a big hit today. Big hit. I would have caught that pass if I had my cross. What'd you do with it? You would have caught it if you had good hands. Hey, G. Hey, G. This is going to sound a little weird, but I need you to do me a favor. Okay. Scratch my back, because that giant target on that is really starting to itch. <laughs> you know you can't believe everything you hear on the radio. Oh, yeah, I can. All right, boys, let's sit up straight. Tighten those ties, fix those collars. We are Marshall! Almost home. Yeah. This is Captain Jetro speaking. Looks like we make good time in spite of the weather. So if everyone could return to their seats now, we'll be landing shortly.
will still be honored. Boys, it's very important that we take a collective breath as a town and figure out the proper course of action. And you think the proper course of action is ending the program? I didn't say we were going to end the program. I said we were going to suspend it. Look, under the best of circumstances, it takes years to build a team, and, well, these are not the best of circumstances. The NC2A will not let freshmen play, and they are the only players we have besides you. When we do bring the program back, we want to make sure we're able to do it right. If. That's what you mean, right? If they bring the program back. This ain't right, Dr. Dedman. It ain't fair. I understand your position, son. And I will personally pass on your concerns to the board before they make their decision. Well, why can't I pass on my concerns myself? Well, unfortunately, Board of Governors meetings are and always have been closed to door. See, you may not be right in the middle of a, uh, let's call it a We Are Marshall moment. Uh, it may not be as intense as, wow, everybody in my life just died. But I will promise you this. <clears throat> there will be moments along this journey where unexpected things will happen to shake you, to um, pull you off of your um, intentional and passionate pursuit of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. And, and in those moments, you will have two options. You can kind of coast, tarry, hang out, stay, or you can make a decision. I will follow hard after God. As a matter of a fact, I will pursue him even more intentionally than before. Does that make sense to you guys tonight? So everything in you sometimes will just say, hey, just kind of coast here. Just kind of stay here. Just kind of hang out. Verse 2 of 2 Kings chapter 2 says this, but Elisha replied. Let's bring up the light just a little bit more. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So from Gilgal, they go to the second place, which is called Bethel. Everybody say Bethel. See, Bethel means, Bethel literally means, I have met God face to face. I have personal revelation of who God is. My eyes have been opened. I have encountered him in such a way. I have tasted of something in my heart that is different than anything I've ever encountered or experienced in my natural life. And it has left me desiring more of him. Amen. Genesis 35, seven says he built an altar there and he called the place El Bethel because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. Of course, he's talking about Jacob and he's all see Bethel was the place where Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord until he was changed until he was changed. And so from Gilgal, we have the option Oh, I've given the Lord my heart. I've prayed a prayer. He's my Lord. 
And we have a temptation to stay just in Gilgal. Everything's fine. I'm going to go to heaven if I die. But then there's this secondary place where Bethel is. You know what? I don't want to just be a Christian. I don't want to just be saved. I want to know Jesus. And I want to know him intimately. I want to know him personally. I want to know him in such a way that nobody can ever talk me out of my encounter or my experience with the son of man named Jesus Christ. You see what I'm saying? That happens at Bethel. Go ahead. You can give him praise. That happens at a place called, at a place called Bethel. See, it's at Bethel that we're actually, we're changed. And we're changed in such a way that people begin to see Hey, you're a little bit different than how I remember you. Could it be that tonight you would have a Bethel moment whenever you go back to school next week, people will begin to realize there's just something different about you. There's a glory on your life. Whenever you walk into the room, I sense the presence of God. I just, I'm at peace just being around because something, something's different about you. See, that happens at Bethel. See, Bethel is the place where we lay down our struggles, our bondages. Bethel is a place where chains are broken. Addictions that we've been struggling with for months and months and years and years are conquered in a place called Bethel. In a place called Bethel. Because we allow Jesus to be Jesus in our lives And we go to such a level of trust with him that we say, Lord, here it is. You can take all of me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I lay it down at your feet tonight, never to be picked up again. Everybody say Bethel. Bethel was a place, and those of you at conference, I think I talked about this either last year or year before or something. Jacob was the place where, I mean, Bethel was a place where Jacob, after he had left Bethel, he walked with a limp. He walked a whole lot differently than how he walked before. And some of you need to encounter God at this place called Bethel, though you know Jesus and and you've invited him into your heart, it's time for there to be tangible change in your speech, in what you listen to, in how you treat other people, in how you respond to your older or your younger siblings, and how you respond to those in authority over you, and how you respond to your enemies, there needs to be a place of change. That change, that place is called Bethel. It's whenever you meet God face to face. Everybody say Bethel. Bethel, 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but, but not everything is beneficial. See, Bethel is the place where you say, Lord, I, I know that everybody else is doing whatever, with whomever. Do, go. But you know what? Because I've encountered you face to face, I just, I'm different. I just, I, I've lost desire for those things. Does that make sense to you? Verse four, two Kings chapter two, verse four. Then Elijah said, so we go from where's the first place? Yell it out. Second place. So verse four says, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here in Bethel for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho, Jericho. Now always remember the mind games of the enemy is to always try to convince you. Just hang out. Just be satisfied. 
you've had enough of God. You've, you know, you're kind of outgrowing the hot pursuit of Jesus thing. It's time to like be a grown up now and like, come on, let's be a little bit more mature. There's no need to really follow God hard. And it just, it's always a temptation of the enemy. Remember that. And, but in those moments, I've got to encourage you to keep pressing forward, keep moving forward. Again, A.W. Tozer was the one who said this. God never uses a man or woman he can easily get rid of. And so Jericho, verse 4, the second part of verse 4 says, so they went on to Jericho. Everybody say Jericho. Now, Jericho was the site of the most strategic battles with, in, in, in the nation of Israel, Israel in the Old Testament. See, Jericho is the point at which you meet your enemy face to face. Let me just ask you this. Or let me just inform you this. People are not your enemy. Many times your enemy is in uh, me, it, inside of you. It's your own struggles. Sometimes it's your own insecurities. Sometimes it's your own doubts. Sometimes it's unforgiveness. Sometimes it's resentment. Sometimes it's just walls that have been built up by pain. Jericho is the place where you meet your enemy face to face. Your struggle, your temptation. Who, what, what is your enemy? What's the enemy that you have been fighting for months and months now? Maybe for years and years now. What's your enemy? It's rhetorical. But think about that tonight. Because some of us have been to Gilgal. You've given the Lord your heart. And others of us have been at Bethel. And you've encountered the Lord face to face. And you know, I want more of God. But some of us haven't reached this place, Jericho, where you have wrestled your enemy to the ground and prevailed and overcome that sin area or that temptation. Come on, somebody. What's your enemy? What's your enemy? What's your enemy? Think about it. So you'll never conquer what you refuse to confront. You'll never conquer what you refuse to confront. It's just plain old doubt. Your enemy, you just have the hardest time actually believing what God has to say about you. Is it, is it just, just doubt? Is it? Is it someone who hurt you or pained you? And just the thought of releasing or forgiving or giving that over to God shakes you to your core. What's your enemy? Is it a fear of just being by yourself? Is your enemy just the, just the opinion of man? You're so consumed about what other people think about you. Some of you, that's your enemy. And God's calling you to a place called Jericho so you can face your enemy. But he can give you victory to overcome your enemy tonight. Come on. Come on, Jericho. Again, again, our biggest enemies are the lies the enemy tries to sell us every single day. So maybe a better question is, what is the lie that the enemy tries to sell you on a daily basis? Is it that you're not good enough? Is it that you need someone? Is it that you need the affirmation of whoever? Is it that you need to be accepted by? Is it that you need to look like or you need to come? What is the lie that he tries to sell to you on a daily basis? That's your enemy. That's who you need to confront in this place called Jericho. See, what happens in you is much more important than what happens to you. 
what happens on the inside of your heart. Because you can fake it only so long. You can only fake it for so long. Second Kings chapter 2 verse 6. To close here. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. Where were they right now? Jericho, stay here for the Lord has told me to go on to the Jordan. Everybody say the Jordan. So this is the third time Elisha hears the words, relax, just be comfortable. Everything's going to be fine. Just stay here in your spiritual journey, knowing that Elijah is the very one that he's following. But third time he's given the opportunity, just coast. It's everything's going to be okay. There's no need to be radical and passionate and, and all those other things. You can be like everyone else. Just hang out here at Jericho, Elijah. Everything's going to be fine. A third time he hears the temptation. And what was his response? He looks at Elijah in the eye and he says, no, 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 no. See, 2 Kings 6, five of the most important words in the Old Testament. And the two went on together. Elisha's like, no, I am so consumed with my love for God. And I am so serious about accomplishing my purpose that I will not coast. I will not tarry. I will not just stay here. I am too consumed with what God wants to do in and through me. I cannot stay here. I refuse to stay here. And the two went on. And the two went on. Chapter 2, verse 6. Jordan, Jordan, I believe, represents the point of no return. The point of no return. See, Jordan is a place that you come to in your pursuit of Christ and his promises for your life that absolutely nothing can shake or break you. It doesn't matter what someone says to you or about you. It doesn't matter how you're treated. It doesn't matter who accepts you or rejects you. It doesn't matter if all hell is breaking loose at home or otherwise on the job, coworkers, bosses, whomever. It really does not matter because once you get to the Jordan, you're at the place of no return. You have experienced encounter God in such a way that you're able to say, you know what? It really doesn't matter what happens in my life, Jesus. I will not stay here. I've got to go on to deeper things with you. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people say. I don't care even how I'm feeling because even sometimes our feelings will begin to betray us and work against us. Once you reach the Jordan, you don't care how you feel because it's a decision in your heart where you say, gosh, God, I'm going with you. I'm in this thing for the long haul, not for what I can get out of you. I'm not out of all the many things you can do for me, though I know that you're going to bless me because I'm your son, your daughter, but that's not what I'm in this thing for. I'm in this thing because I realize and recognize that there is one who literally gave up heaven and earth for me, moved it all out of the way to have intimate relationship with me. And I have my eyes on the prize and I have a long-term vision of standing before you one day, looking you eye to eye, face to face, saying, here you are, the one who is worthy, the one who has always been worthy. And I know you for myself. I will never leave you. God, I know that you've told me you'll never leave me or forsake me. But by faith, I would say to you, God, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. That's the Jordan. That's whenever you reach the Jordan. See, once standing on God's word has costed you enough, there will certainly be a resolve inside your heart. 
See, it's, 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 it's like walking out, it's like walking out far enough from the shore to where you just kind of have to keep going. Like you just, you're like, all right, I just got to see, like how deep is it going to get? And you just keep, because there's a drawing, there's a nudging, there's the Holy Spirit just kind of taking you to deeper places in your walk with God. To where you just say, man, yesterday is the, I don't want to live on yesterday's experience. I don't want to live on last year's encounter. Lord, I want to know you afresh today. Would you speak to me? I'm ready to move forward with you and in you. Does that make sense to you guys? See, there, there, there comes a point, you, we know whenever the space shuttle, whenever, it's a, whenever there's like this countdown, there reaches what point wherever it gets to a certain um, time, w- once it reaches a certain uh, time, like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, once it reaches a certain one, to where it's like, kind of like the point, of the, there's nothing that can stop that space shuttle from launching. That's what I'm talking about. You reach a place in God. Whenever you've walked with him, whenever you've, whenever you've pursued him, whenever you come to the, making that decision in your heart where you say, you know what, come hell or high water or bad things or great things or good things or success or, or popularity or no popularity, Jesus, I'm with you for the long haul because I have tasted and seen that the Lord is so good. It's kind of like that, that's where the disciples were whenever Jesus, uh, he was having one encounter with multiple disciples, over 70, and droves, by droves, people started walking away from Jesus. Do we don't like to preach that part. We just, oh, the multitudes came. No, no, no. There was plenty of times. There was one time in particular where the gospel writer says they just started walking away from him, just one by one, just turning away. After all the good things that he had done for them, after all the blessings, after all the miracles, they just started walking away. And then he looks at his faithful little 12 and he says, what about you? Are you going to leave me too? And then Peter kind of responds and says, God, master, who else, where, where are we going to go for who else has the words of life? There's nobody who has been to us. Would you have been to us? There's no way I'm leaving you. It was kind of like Jesus was kind of giving him that, kind of like that Terry temptation. Like, are you going to leave too? Are you just going to stay here? Because I'm pressing on. I've got a destiny. I've got great things that God has called me to do. I am pleasing and honoring my father in heaven. And they look at him and say, no, 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 we cannot stay here. We're moving forward in you. It's where the gospel, it's where the psalmist says, whom am I, whom have I in heaven, but you, Corey Ten Boom, powerful, powerful, uh, a, a powerful figure, even in the Holocaust and, and during that age of time. She, see, she came to this place, and I think she said it right. She says, once Jesus becomes all you have, Jesus becomes all you need. See, once he becomes all you have, all of a sudden you realize, all I need is you, Lord, is you, Lord. All I need is you, she goes on to say, see, you can never learn Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. You'll never learn that. So sometimes it can feel like you're losing friends or you're losing popularity or you're losing whatever, fill in the blank. But could it be that God is in a season of just kind of telling you, hey, You'll never really get this revelation until I allow certain things or people or whatever to be kind of removed from your life because we can be so propped up by so many different things. So many different things can steal our affection. And could it be that the Lord just allows these things to be removed so you can realize, hey, (laughs) I'm still here. (laughs) And now that I've become all you have, all of a sudden you now understand I'm all you ever needed. I've always been there for you. 
and I always will be. Finally, tonight, I want us to go to one more clip from where Marshall and we're just kind of wrap up here because uh, the school had banded together to protest the possibility of not having this football team and this new coach comes in town. For those of you who hadn't seen the movie, fully aware of the odds stacked against him and the statistics are pretty amazing, and it's a true story even now. I had a, one of my best friends in college, his father actually graduated from this university, and, and Marshall only won two games, and one is shown in the movie against a school called Xavier. But uh, we are great so many times at only sharing the high points and great stories and inspirational things, but sometimes we overlook just the simple moments in God. And so I want you guys to look at this kind of final clip tonight and then we'll get ready to close and we'll close in worship tonight so go on and queue up that last clip and take a look at this real quick he was right you know who was right your boy Tolly Winning is everything and nothing else matters. I mean, I've, I've said that so many times myself, I, I lost count. You know, and it doesn't matter in what sport, and it doesn't matter what country, any coach who's worth a darn in this business believes those words. Fact. And then I came here. For the first time in my life, hell, maybe for the, the first time in the history of sports, suddenly it, it's just not true anymore. He's not here, not now, no. You see, Fred, it doesn't matter if we win or if we lose. It's not even about how we play the game. What matters is that we play the game, that we take the field. That, that we suit up on Saturdays and we keep this program alive. We play the game, Fred, and I'm telling you, one day, not today, not tomorrow, not this season probably, not next season either, but one day you and I are going to wake up and suddenly we're going to be like every other team in every other sport where winning is everything and nothing else matters. And when that day comes, That's when we'll honor them. We've got a team meeting tomorrow morning. Got a little field trip planned for the boys. But we'd love to see you there, Coach.
For those of you who may not know, this is the final resting place for six members of the 1970 Thundering Herd. The plane crash that took their lives was so severe, so, so absolute, that their bodies were unable to be identified. So they were buried here, together. Six players, six teammates, six sons of Marshall. This is our past, gentlemen. This is where we have been. This is how we got here. This is who we are today. I want to talk about our opponents this afternoon. They're bigger, faster, stronger, more experienced, and on paper, they're just better. And they know it, too. But I want to tell you something that they don't know. They don't know your heart. I do. I've seen it. You have shown it to me. You have shown this coaching staff, your teammates. You have shown yourselves just exactly who you are in here. When you take that field today, you've got to lay that heart on the line, man. From the soles of your feet, with every ounce of blood you've got in your body, lay it on the line until the final whistle blows. And if you do that, if you do that, we cannot lose. We may be behind on the scoreboard at the end of the game, but if you play like that, we cannot be defeated. And we came here today to remember. Six young men and 69 others who will not be on the field with you today. But they will be watching. They'll be gritting their teeth with every snap of that football. Do you understand me? How you play today, from this moment on, is how you will be remembered. This is your opportunity to rise from these ashes and grab glory. tonight you guys I uh 
just want to ask, you know, where, where are you just kind of in this, in this journey, in this picture? Four kind of clear areas, Gilgal and Gilgal, our sin has been rolled away. Or have you even made it to the point of Gilgal? Have you confessed your sins to the Lord, asked him for his forgiveness, truly allowed him to be the Lord of your life? Or is it Bethel? Or where do you need to be? The place of face-to-face encounter with Jesus Christ, where you ask him, God, show me your glory. Or is it Jericho that you need to be at, where you need to wrestle some things to the ground? in terms of enemies? Have you been so defeated by your enemies that you can't even, you can't even see victories even in your life? Have you made it to the place where you're just calling the Jordan? Where you say, you know what? I've kind of been tiptoeing and, you know, a little, a little bit, little foot in and little foot out and uh, I'm not really sure about all of this but I'm ready to go to the deep places of God everything that God has for me I want I I don't understand it all I don't uh, but I'm ready to press on the deep things of God and I've, whatever has been holding me back. So where are you, you guys? Where do you need to be? And it's a process. Everybody's, everyone's different. Everyone's in a different, but, but it kind of starts at Gilgal. See, I think sometimes we all want to, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Take me, take me deep. But we haven't been to Gilgal. We haven't repented of our sins. We're still defeated. Or we're just here, we haven't been to Bethel, we haven't, or we haven't been to Jericho because we're just so complacent with our sins ruling and reigning over us that we've just kind of made peace with our issues, with our struggles. And we just kind of come to grips that I'm just going to struggle, I'm just going to be in bondage for the rest of my life. That's not your destiny. Your destiny is to be one who is free, one who lives in victory, honoring Jesus Christ. Paul put it this way in Romans, sin shall not rule and reign in your, no, you have conquered it. You are more than an overcomer in Christ. You are victorious. Walk in that victory. Be the man or woman of God that God has called you to be through his strength and through his grace alone, not through your own willpower. So where are tonight if you're here in this place and you say you know we need um, we I need gosh I need I need salvation tonight like I uh, I know I'm a church kid or I've been coming to DSM for a long time or I just but I just I need to be like saved like I I need my sins to be forgiven and and 
man, I need to just make it to Gilgal tonight because my sins have not been rolled away because that's all I'm thinking about. And I just, I need Jesus to be my savior. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand really, really high. And I believe that Jesus, the savior, will encounter you and leave you in a place where, you know what? You don't have to walk in shame any longer. You don't have to walk in spiritual bondage anymore. No. That's you again. Just lift up both your hands really high, several hands up all over this place. I just want to lead you through a prayer tonight. I just want you to say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. I accept your grace and the work that you want to do in my life. Come on, pray it out loud. Thank you for going to a cross. Thank you for dying a death just for me. I receive your forgiveness tonight. And I say that I am yours. I'm really yours. In Jesus' name. beautiful tonight if you prayed that prayer would you be so bold just to just to stand up we want to just give you some resources tonight if you had your hand lifted I want you to stand up tonight because Jesus says if you are ashamed to honor me in front of your friends I'll be ashamed to own and honor you in front of my father in heaven hey some of our staff is just coming around tonight they're just going to give you a journal they're going to give you a devotional really great for you to just jump right in on tomorrow you're going to have an opportunity to have quiet time that's a really cool journal that you can just begin reading through in order to grow see because right now you're at the place called Gilgal don't forget my boy Brogan right here in the front giving his life to Jesus it's so beautiful get him a journal Bucky, will you just come and pray over Brogan real quick? I know the Lord wants to do something so special in his life right now. Spirit of the Lord is saying to you, broken and orphaned no longer for tonight. I, your Father, am revealing myself to you because one moment in my presence can absolutely seal and stabilize your identity. And the Lord would say to you, run, run, run as you have been running, but tonight you're running right into my arms and my great love towards you For I have called you and I have appointed even this night to encounter you as a father would encounter a son. And my arms are wide open towards you and for you because I love you, because I desire to use you. And not in the way that the world uses people. The Lord says, I want to use you, Brogan, in such a way that will bring honor to you. The Lord says, I'm not like man. I do not lie. I cannot lie. And I'm always working for your good. And I'm always working for my glory, but your good. 
just feel the promise of God over your life broken, just saying, I'm going to leave you better than how I found you this weekend. I'm going to leave you better because I'm a good dad. Maybe you're in the place tonight where you've been to Gilgal, but gosh, you need to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. You've kind of just grown dry a little bit and you say, man, I just, I want to be in that place, that place called Bethel where I, I walk differently. Gosh, I haven't been walking differently as a Christ follower. I blend in with everybody else. If that's you, I want you to raise up your hand really high. want to pray over you. Staff, just move really, really quickly. Jelly leaders. Father, I thank you that in this place of Bethel tonight, I ask for a spirit of encounter right now in this moment and even over this weekend, Father, even as we lay hands on them, even now, Jesus, I ask for a spirit of revelation to strike their hearts. Encounter, even now, God, that they would see you in a new and a fresh way, oh God, that their hearts begin to cry out for you, God. Their hearts begin to cry out for more. I want more of Jesus. I need to see him better. I need to sense you. I need to hear your voice in a fresh way. God, I ask for Bethel moments. Even now, Jesus, even now, Lord, encounter like only you can, Holy Spirit. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.